Good morning and welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company that provides life-changing nutrition education and counseling. I'm Brittany Thomas, a registered and licensed dietitian. I see clients at the Nutritional Weight and Wellness St. Paul and Lakeville offices, as well as teach many different classes. Today, we are going to talk about polycystic ovarian syndrome, and we're going to refer to it as PCOS. Shorter name. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And the connection to weight gain, acne, and infertility. And I'm sure a lot of you listening have never even heard of PCOS before. Well, PCOS, again, standing for polycystic ovarian syndrome, is a complicated and complex condition, and it affects many different organs and causes problems throughout a woman's life. And this is a personal topic for me, because about a year ago, I found out that I have PCOS. So ever since, I've been on a mission to treat my PCOS with the correct nutrition. But before we take a deeper dive into the information today, I want to introduce my co-hosts. I'm lucky to have two of them today. I have Cara Carper. She is a licensed nutritionist, and Cara sees clients and teaches classes at the Nutritional Weight and Wellness Wyzetta office. Great to be here with both of you today. Really good. Brittany, I've had a lot of clients with PCOS, and they often have acne and are struggling with their weight. And it's often not until they're trying to get pregnant that they realize they're not ovulating and that they have fertility problems. So today we want to address some of the nutritional connections to PCOS and what you can do about it. I am also joined today by Jamie Carlson. Jamie is a registered and licensed dietitian, and she sees clients out of our Nutritional Weight and Wellness St. Paul location. Good morning, Brittany. Good morning, Cara. Good morning. So yeah, today the topic is PCOS, and PCOS actually affects about 10% of women. So uh, we believe that many more women have PCOS but haven't been diagnosed with it. So Brittany, why don't we dive into talking about what do you think caused you your PCOS? Yeah, I think it was probably a combination of things. Until my early 20s, I ate lots of carbohydrates, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not much fat, not much protein, because I thought it was healthy, like mm-hmm. many people do. So back then, breakfast was typically like a granola bar on the run or maybe some cereal with skim milk. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that type of meal, too. Absolutely. Whereas today, I typically do a protein shake with beef protein powder, some coconut milk, a small amount of fruit, and spinach. Back then, lunch was typically a sandwich. Sometimes I didn't even have meat on my sandwich. Whereas today I get a good variety. For example, yesterday I had broccoli salad, some deli roll-ups with mayonnaise, and some cucumber. As you can tell, my nutrition has changed pretty drastically over the years. Another thing I think may have contributed to my PCOS is the pesticides and chemicals I was exposed to growing up. Mm -hmm. I grew up in southern Minnesota, and there were a lot of farms near Mm -hmm. my house that I grew up in. So I definitely think that contributed as well. Sure. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. There's so many factors yes. that can contribute to PCOS, and you've definitely had some in your history. Absolutely. So, But the thing is, Brittany, you haven't had any weight problems. Um, you know, I think you're going to tell a statistic. It was at 80% yep. typically have weight problems. We'll talk about that later. That hasn't happened to you, but it affected you in other ways. Yeah, that's correct. So I haven't had any weight problems, 
But definitely if the carbs sneak into my diet too much, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy for me to gain weight. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the symptoms I've had is acne. Until my early 20s, I had acne for years and years. Mm-hmm. Never got better until I changed my nutrition. Uh, other symptoms that I have are lack of ovulation mm-hmm. and ovarian cysts. Yeah. So all really personal topics, too. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of women out there that are going to relate to this show today. And um, this is a very vulnerable area, I think, for a lot of women, too, a lot of these struggles. And so um, tune in for all of this information. So those all those things Brittany described with acne, lack of ovulation, those are all common symptoms of PCOS. But other symptoms can be having absent or irregular periods, um, maybe not menstruating at all. You could have increased hair growth on the face. Um, you could have cystic ovaries, so developing cysts on your ovaries, which you may find in an ultrasound, or you might have pain around your ovaries. You can have oily skin and dandruff. You can have hair that's falling out or thinning, anxiety, depression, insomnia. So you can see there's a lot of stuff that goes on with mm-hmm. patients yes. and clients with mm-hmm. PCOS. And um, I th- we're going to talk about why that's so hard to get diagnosed, mm-hmm. because it's this just random group of symptoms that all can be related back to PCOS. Yeah. And it's hard because PCOS shows shows up differently in every woman. Mm -hmm. So some women like myself don't really have a lot of the symptoms, whereas other women have all of the symptoms Mm -hmm. that you just listed, Jamie. Mm -hmm. And did it take you a while to get diagnosed, Brittany? Would you say, you know, it took a lot of Research with different doctors and... Yep, it took some, definitely some time to figure out what was actually going Mm -hmm. on. Yeah, Yeah, had to be persistent Mm -hmm. with it. As we hear with a lot of our clients, when they're dealing with these types of issues as well, they're not Mm -hmm. typically Mm -hmm. diagnosed immediately. So I actually, I'm working with a client right now and, um, well, I work with several clients with PCOS, but one that comes to mind... Um, she came to our company because she was having a hard time conceiving. Mm. Uh, she tried a lot of different things to get pregnant. And we ended up obviously changing her nutrition. And we did add a few key supplements to support her body in this healing process. And she was able to get pregnant. Wow. So that was really, That's really exciting. Really exciting. That's yeah. Great. But she had to be really diligent about her nutrition. Mm-hmm. And that's what we find with PCOS is... You know, people that are kind of like halfway doing the program often do not see results, especially when it comes to um, being having problems with fertility. But of course, she couldn't have been happier when she did. She and her husband got pregnant. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that, because I think it's good for the women out there with PCOS to hear stories like Mm -hmm. that, to know that there is hope for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that medication isn't always the only answer to those things, that there's other things that can be done for them. So, you know, for example, there's uh, a a man named Dr. Samuel Thatcher, and he was an early pioneer in PCOS research and in treatment of PCOS. And he said this, a more holistic approach to PCOS is certainly warranted and can have a significant effect in altering quality of life. So that's incredible. And that fits right into what we're saying at Nutritional Weight and Wellness all the time, um, that if we are eating real food, this can heal the body in really miraculous mm. ways. Um, of course, there's other treatments to go with it, but nutrition can play a massive role in this. So regardless of what PCOS symptoms a woman has, nutrition and lifestyle can and will play a really critical yep. role in this. That's right. Yeah, and that is so true. And like Cara mentioned, 
you know, women with PCOS and myself, I need to be very, very mindful mm-hmm. each and every day. So, for example, last weekend I went to a wedding. So I had to say no to the cake. Mm-hmm. I had to say no to the bread, yeah. even though it was a special occasion. Yeah. But special occasions are about the socializing, right? I think yeah. we make them about yeah. the food and mm-hmm. dessert. And I always ask clients, what's the worst thing if you don't eat dessert, you know, the these events are about being with your family yep, and friends absolutely. and enjoying their company and it's not all about the food and I think that's important. Yeah. So important. You know, or planning ahead is so key. Mm-hmm. If I go out of town, I bring some of my own food just so right. I know that I have some healthy options on hand. And I think those are some great examples that everybody can relate to. Mm-hmm, everybody yeah. encounters social social situations, graduation yes. parties and weddings yeah. and all right. that stuff. Especially in the summer, yeah. mm-hmm. there can be um, something probably one or two things every weekend. Yeah. Yep. So really, if if nutrition is going to be a priority for PCOS, people have to start saying no, like yeah. you do, Brittany. Yeah. So thank you for for mentioning that. You know, the cause of PCOS is still up for deb- debate. But Dr. Dean Ginsberg, who is an OBGYN and specializes in PCOS, believes that poor blood sugar handling or insulin resistance mm. is at the cornerstone of PCOS. And most, if not all, women with PCOS have insulin resistance. And, you know, insulin resistance is something we talk about a lot on this show. And again, insulin resistance, as we've mentioned, is stages that are leading up mm-hmm. to type 2 diabetes, right? Where your body can't utilize sugar very well. And so, as we mentioned earlier, PCOS is a really complex condition. Um, And there are other factors that affect PCOS as well, outside of just insulin resistance. Um, Estrogen dominance, this is a huge topic. And this is really important when it comes to um, helping someone with their symptoms of PCOS. And this is a topic we talk about on some other shows. Um, If you just do a a search on our website at weightandwellness.com, there's going to be a few other shows on estrogen dominance. So for those of you with PCOS, um, I'd encourage you to listen to those and also um, to make a nutritionist or uh, an appointment with your nutritionist to help work through this as well. Absolutely. Well, it looks like it is time yes. for our first break. Already. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Most, if not all women with PCOS have insulin resistance, mm-hmm. as we've been talking about. And insulin resistance is something that we talk a lot about at Nutritional Weight and Wellness because it affects so many people. Mm-hmm. And if you've taken our Nutrition for Weight Loss or Weight and Wellness class, you've heard us describe insulin resistance in detail. But for those of you who haven't, you might be wondering, what is insulin resistance? Mm-hmm. So Insulin resistance is when our cells have developed a crust over the top of them. And that crusty layer is made up of eating too many carbohydrates, trans fats, and then too much of the hormone insulin. So that crusty layer then is going to block the ability for our glucose, our blood sugar, to enter our cells to turn into energy. So since glucose isn't getting into our cells then all of that excess glucose that we have in our bloodstream will then get stored as fat and create inflammation in our body. That's not what we want. Not (laughs) at all. So we definitely want to prevent this. And when we return from break, we're going to talk about common symptoms of insulin resistance. If you have questions about PCOS, we'd love to hear from you. So call us today at 651-641-1071. 
Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. So we're here today talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome, or we've been referring to as PCOS. So I'm Jamie Carlson, a licensed and registered dietitian, and I'm here with Brittany Thomas, who's also a dietitian, and Cara Carper, a licensed nutritionist. So before break, Brittany was explaining what insulin resistance is. So let's look at some signs of insulin resistance so people can relate to this out there. Um, Some signs of insulin resistance could include having a tire or more belly fat around your midsection, um, having more intense carbohydrate cravings, having crashes in your energy throughout the day. You know, you feel great post-meal for like 10 minutes and then an hour later you feel horrible. Um, And, you know, having a fasting blood sugar above 100. So this fasting blood sugar is the one where you go to the doctor and they don't let you eat before. And if this level comes back, it might be called a fasting glucose. If this is above 100, that can be indicative of some insulin resistance. So the great news is that insulin resistance is reversible. And I think that's really great news for Mm -hmm. people to hear. Um, So many times I think we get told that, you know, we're stuck with the medical conditions we have. And in some cases that's true. But in insulin resistance, this is one that you can play a huge role in. Um, So that's what we want to encourage everybody to look for. So to to reverse it, you want to focus on eating real carbohydrates. So vegetable carbohydrates and fruit carbohydrates. Most often time when we think of the word carbs, we think of breads and cereals and mm-hmm. grains. And when we talk carbohydrates on this show, we're talking about vegetables, real vegetables and fruits. Um, so people with insulin resistance may need to limit some of these processed carbs like the bread and pasta and crackers. Um, also make sure you're getting really healthy fats in to heal your cells. So Healthy fats could be things like olive oil, olives, coconut milk, um, coconut oil, avocados, and real butter. Mm-hmm. So before the before we went to break, we were talking about how PCOS is this really complex condition, and, and that's mm-hmm. why it's so hard to get diagnosed. Like we said, about 10% of women have been diagnosed, but yep. we suspect there's probably a lot yeah. more people out there that have it. Um, so it can be affected by things such as estrogen dominance, like we mentioned before the show, but like we said, we only have a limited amount of time today. So we're going to focus specifically on how insulin resistance in women with PCOS affects weight gain, acne, and infertility. So I just noticed that we have a caller. So All right. why don't we take this call and then we will dive back into our topic. Um, it looks like Claudia is on the line. Good morning, Claudia. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Do you have a question for us today? Oh, hi. I love your show. It's really, really good. I Thank you. <laughs> It's, it's very, very good. I call in because I have ovarian cysts. There have been nine. Mm-hmm. They're not dangerous. Uh, the doctor said I need a surgery, but I don't want it. Mm. So you think with a good nutrition, I can rid of this um, cyst and my ovaries? Brittany, That's not dangerous. Did you, can I just ask, Brittany, did your doctor recommend, is that something that you dealt with? Yeah, he said it's necessary because I have this problem for seven years. Seven years you've had cysts? Yes, and they're still there. Mm. Then don't grow up, they're still in the same side, but mm. he said it's necessary to remove because they have a lot of time there. But I was mm. I was thinking if I, I eat good and good nutrition, you think I can read over to this, um, this cyst? Or you think I need a surgery? 
Oh, gosh, that's something that we can't diagnose yes. on, on air. We wouldn't be qualified to say whether you should have the surgery or not. Um, I think, I mean, it's great that you feel like you do have good nutrition, but there are really very, try, yeah, there are very specific ways that people need to eat yes. when they have ovarian cysts. So I think if you have not had a nutrition, an individual nutrition consultation, I think it would definitely be worth your while to make that two-hour appointment with one of us. Yeah, definitely. Whether it's in person or we do phone and Skype consults. And make sure you're doing everything in your power um, because really nutrition could make a difference where you didn't need the surgery. Yeah, yeah. So I think it, it would be good for you to explore that option. Yeah, but certainly that's a decision for you to make with your doctor as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think I want to make an appointment because I really, really, really don't want to have a surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's why I'm calling, but I love your show. Thank it's you, Claudia. really good. Give our office a call, uh, 651-699-3438. They can help you get something set up right away. Thank you so much. Okay. I will. All Thanks, right. Thanks, Claudia. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so Jamie, you were talking about all the different factors yeah. that, you know, can contribute to PCOS. Definitely. we You know, we see things, like we said, like weight gain and acne and infertility, and those are going to be the three things we focus mm-hmm. on yeah. most today. Mm-hmm. So women with PCOS have about a seven times greater risk for developing type 2 diabetes and are also yes. at a greater risk for developing cardiovascular disease. Dr. Gersh, who is a leading expert on PCOS and an integrative gynecologist, supports the idea that women with PCOS are very sensitive to sugar and explains that when a woman with PCOS consumes carbohydrates or sugar, it triggers an explosion of inflammation in her body all throughout. Wow. So, so women with PCOS are able to diminish a lot of their symptoms if they're really mindful of their nutrition on a daily basis, just like Cara's client she was telling about, mm-hmm. if she was really disciplined. And that's not always fun, but it's worth it to feel good and to yes, be able to is. have a baby. And yeah, um, So insulin resistance is such a huge contributor to a lot of these PCOS symptoms. So when I see clients with PCOS, I usually recommend a lower carbohydrate diet, um, and actually increasing some healthy fats in their diet as well. Mm-hmm. So the insulin resistance cause causes the first sim- symptom we're going to discuss, which is weight gain. Um, about 80% of women with PCOS are either overweight or obese. So Jamie, can you just explain to listeners what you mean by a lower carbohydrate, higher fat diet? What does that look like? Yeah, so when we say lower carbohydrate, you know, we're not even necessarily like aiming at a certain number all the mm-hmm. time. We're just looking at more of like a specific carbohydrate diet. So specific Mm -hmm. meaning eating carbohydrates that are real, like real vegetables, some starchy vegetables and fruits. These are our carbohydrates. Like sweet potatoes maybe would be a starchy vegetable. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. And so it's really when we say lower carbohydrate, it's more avoiding those processed carbohydrates like the bread and the pasta. Mm -hmm. Um, Those can create such a spike in your blood sugar, Mm -hmm. which again is what leads us back to insulin resistance. And when I mean higher fats, I mean just using fats, using fats when you're cooking, um, using coconut oil and butter when you're cooking vegetables and putting avocados on your salad and putting coconut milk in a smoothie or Mm -hmm. eating nuts with a snack. Mm -hmm. And so 
It doesn't have to necessarily be said. It sounds extreme to say low carbohydrate <laughs> and high fat, right. but it's just more specific. It's yeah. and it's more it's really balanced. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like it's not some we're not recommending some crazy like low carb, no, high fat diet. Not in it's any just, way. It's very balanced mm-hmm. with real carbohydrates and, you know, healthy yep. fats. So yeah. certainly. So why do women with PCOS benefit from having more healthy fat, Jamie? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, Healthy fats are actually what make our hormones. So I'm sure most people have heard of cholesterol, right? That's Mm kind of had a bad rep for a while, and now we're knowing it's actually not so bad for us. And something really interesting is that cholesterol is what makes up our hormones. Mm. So we've done shows on that before. Exactly. And so, so this is really important for someone who's got hormonal imbalances or women in general, right? Mm -hmm. So healthy fats actually help heal our cells. The outside of our cells are all made out of fats. Um, It also acts as a great buffer in our blood sugar. So Mm -hmm. fats help our blood sugar from not going too high or not going too low. Um, Plus they taste really good. Right, (laughs) that's the biggest plus, right? (laughs) So, you know, I love when you said that Fats are a buffer for our blood sugar. Mm-hmm. I feel that every mm-hmm. day when I eat. If Definitely I don't eat enough too. fat, I can feel my blood sugar dropping, mm-hmm. you know, within one to two hours. So and then you want carbohydrates, typically. Then you have the low blood sugar yeah. cravings. Mm-hmm. A good example of how fat balances blood sugar is, you know, if someone's just eating an apple by itself, it will spike the blood sugar mm-hmm. pretty quickly, even just a piece, a piece yeah. of fruit. Yep. And that will cause a crash, you know, within a couple of hours. But if you pair that small apple with a quarter cup of nuts, it's really going to slow the absorption. The nuts will slow the absorption of the apple, which is the carbohydrate. So the blood sugar won't spike and won't crash. And then you just add some bacon or some other kind of a beef stick, some kind of protein. um, And then you really have a nicely balanced snack. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, it doesn't always seem like a, a typical snack for people, but right. that's what we want. We want you to think a little bit outside yep. of the Be box. Creative. Exactly. Just pairing yeah. the protein and fat and carbohydrate. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be beautiful. Pretty exactly. <laughs> and so again, like Car was saying, that apple on its own will spike your blood sugar, even a fruit. So pair yep. it with a fat. Pair it with a protein for more even blood sugar. Absolutely. So insulin resistance is the cause of weight gain in women with PCOS, but also for many other people who don't have PCOS because insulin is our primary fat storage hormone. And insulin causes us to gain weight around that midsection, like Jamie was talking about, often causes that tire that nobody wants. And because I know I have insulin resistance, I make sure to eat balance and frequently throughout the day, just like we were talking about with Mm -hmm. that balanced snack. Otherwise my blood sugar crashes I start to crave bread, <laughs> maybe some pizza, yeah. and even nutritionists still crave that. Yes, stuff. we do. We're you don't eat balance. Yep. And I have to admit, I get a little bit cranky mm-hmm. too, so mm-hmm. it's not very fun to be around <laughs> me. Those are all signs of low blood sugar. Yes. Yeah. So it's time for our second break here, and I just want to say I noticed that we have a caller online. If you could please um, be patient, stay with us. We'll get to your call when we come back from break. But you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. When I'm working with clients, the most common meal that they struggle with is breakfast. I can't tell you how many times that's the thing we're always focusing on. 
So if you're like me and you're rushing out of the door in the morning and don't always have time to sit down and make something lovely like eggs and vegetables, um, what I do is I make an egg bake. And this is what I had this morning. So an egg bake, you put the eggs in, you put the veggies in, you put, you know, maybe some sausage and coconut milk and you bake these up and then you can reheat that every morning on your way out the door. So it's a great way to sneak in veggies. Um, but I find people also get burnt out on eggs. So another great one I do is making a protein shake in the morning yeah. as well. So stay tuned. Um, Cara is going to share her favorite breakfast and continue talking about PCOS and the connection to weight gain, acne, and infertility. And thanks for hanging on if you're on the call waiting for some questions. Um, and if you have any other questions for us, give us a call at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Wheat and Wellness. We are here today talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. I'm Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist, and I'm here with Brittany Thomas and Jamie Carlson, both registered and licensed dietitians. Before the break, Jamie was talking about a good breakfast option, her egg bake. You know, I, like she said, some people just get burned out on eggs, mm-hmm. and that actually has happened to me as yeah. well. Yeah. So um, a breakfast that I will sometimes have that isn't eggs is some kind of a sausage, mm-hmm. like yeah. whether it's a pork sausage, yeah. turkey sausage, sometimes there's yep. a combination. Yep. And I'll just have like three ounces of that mm-hmm. and cut up a little sweet potato, fry yeah. it up in a pan with some butter. Um, and basically that's it. So I have my yeah. protein, my carbohydrate and my fat. So just another option yeah, that for, sounds great good. for people. In a balanced breakfast, it's so important to start off your day right. Mm-hmm. I know that the days that I either don't eat within an hour of waking or I don't have a balanced breakfast with all of those parts, the protein, fat, and carb, I really tend to, my blood sugar will crash randomly throughout the day. Um, so it's interesting if you don't eat a good breakfast, it can affect your your evening even. Definitely. You know, Absolutely. your blood sugars can be off almost the entire mm-hmm. day. Yeah. So... Um, we did. Unfortunately, the caller had to drop off that was waiting. So her question was, um, I believe she had had one or two miscarriages, one miscarriage. And she was wondering if nutrition could make a difference in preventing that from happening in the future. And we work with women all the time who have the, you know, miscarriages, yeah. um, which is very devastating. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I want to say on that is without <laughs> knowing more details about it yeah. and kind of her history, mm-hmm. we would really want her to make an appointment. Um, but there is what we found with clients is often women who t- have miscarriages tend to be low in a hormone called progesterone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so one thing that is very safe is that she could certainly try using an over-the-counter progesterone. Mm-hmm. Emerita is yep. a brand that we recommend. Yep, Emerita, what's called a bioidentical hormone, so it's yep. non-synthetic. Right. It's a, It's not synthetic. It's a natural. It's mm-hmm. just like what our ovaries would make. and yep. It's not a, like a super high dose. No. It's yeah. 20 milligrams, which your ovaries would make in any given yes, day definitely. if they were if they were working properly. Yeah. So that is something to explore. But also, I think making an appointment would really be For sure. important. Definitely. So so getting back to our topic about PCOS, you know, Brittany, um, before break, was talking about that insulin resistance is the cause of weight gain in many people, almost all women with PCOS. Um, but it's just important to know that this holds true for anyone mm-hmm. and we have to be eating frequently and in balance, like we've talked about, to heal the body. So 
the protein, the healthy fat, the vegetable carbohydrates with a little bit more limited fruits. Mm -hmm. That's really what our body needs to heal on the cellular level. Yeah. So if you're out there and you have insulin resistance and you're not eating balanced and you're frequently having those sugar and carbohydrate cravings coming back, a lot of this can be resolved through balanced eating. So my blood sugar crash is really easy. So um, like I said before, a lot of times I'll, like, I'll do a protein shake that I'll make like a meal sized one in the morning and I'll split it up. I'll have half of it for a snack in the morning and the other half for a snack in the afternoon. And that's an that easy one. Really I think well. for a lot of people can relate to busy days out mm-hmm. there where you don't always have mm-hmm. time to stop for a snack. It's a great idea. Um, it's a really good one. You know, and I, a couple of quick sn- or a snack option that I would have, like if I have a longer client day, um, I try to bring things that are, you know, not too complicated. So I'll usually have two turkey sticks. Nice. I think the brand is Ferndale Farms. Mm-hmm. And then either a half of a large apple or if I can find a small apple. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, probably a quarter cup of almonds. Yeah, and that sounds would good. Would be just really a really good. quick, like you could have that in 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we know for a lot of people, it can be really difficult to get those snacks in on busy days. Um, So I have a client who sets an alarm on her phone at, you know, like 10 in the morning and 3 in the afternoon um, to remind her to eat a snack. And she works really hard to do that. And if she misses her alarm, a lot of times she'll get caught up in her workday and, you know, miss a snack and then Mm -hmm. want to pick up something bad on the way home, maybe some fast food or something. That's a really good idea. I might have to try that myself. Yeah. And like I described, and we've been talking about that insulin resistance is a major contributor of weight gain in women with PCOS. In order for women with PCOS to be able to lose weight, they really need to limit those processed carbohydrates, breads, crackers, Mm because those affect us so much more dramatically than other people. Yeah. Get lots of veggies, a lot of healthy fat, and don't forget to add in the protein too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very important. Okay, so Brittany Carr, let's let's move on to our next symptom we're gonna talk about today related to PCOS, which is acne. Women with PCOS tend to get acne on their face. A lot of times it shows up like along their like chin strap mm-hmm. line in their jaw. Um acne it can also show up a lot of times for them on their chest and back as well. Yeah. And as somebody who struggled with acne, I know how frustrating it is and you can't get rid of it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I don't have PCOS, but I did. I've struggled with acne as well. And, you know, you just do just about anything to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. What happens is when somebody has insulin resistance, the body is making more insulin. And when more insulin is being produced, inflammation increases. So when... When our bodies have a lot of inflammation, our immune system is actually really negatively affected and it can't properly deal with the bacteria that's built up in our cells. And I want mm-hmm. everyone to think about their skin is their body's largest organ yeah. and it's the organ that's going to help get rid of things, get mm-hmm. rid of things that shouldn't be present in the body. And a lot of times that's what's coming out in your skin. So what's happening on your skin a lot of time is really a result of what's going on inside your body. And in this case, with a lot of inflammation, if we've got bacteria built up, this bacteria is moving out of our body. It's moving out through the skin, and this can result in acne. And another contributor with the acne is insulin will increase testosterone in women, which will also cause acne. Yeah. And yes, I did say testosterone. <laughs> women, we yeah. make some testosterone. Yeah. Not just men. And men also make some estrogen. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> 
So, you know, it really gets back to good nutrition. If women with PCOS can decrease their insulin resistance, which Jamie was saying earlier, is entirely possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, this has to be done by eliminating processed carbohydrates, by eating lots of vegetables and lots of healthy fat. And we see this with our clients. Their Mm -hmm. acne goes away. Brittany, yes. After years and years of trying every facial cream and, you know, all these different things, just good food will do it. Yep, for sure. And that happened to you, right, Brittany? I mean, that's exactly your story. So, Yeah, so we've really been stressing about getting lots of vegetables in um, and specifically those non-starchy veggies. And I know this can be kind of challenging. Uh, vegetables are a lot of prep. They're yeah. they're just sometimes scary for people to work with. So <laughs> yeah. let's talk about some ways that we get some vegetables yeah. in. Yeah. Well, a couple of things that I do. I mean, now that it's summer, I invested in a grill basket a few oh, years ago. Fun. Love That's it. Great. Yeah, I recommend yeah. it to everybody. So what do you put on the vegetables before you put them on the grill? I just put them in a big bowl with olive oil and we have an herb garden. So yeah. I use fresh herbs, but mm-hmm. people could use, you could use dried herbs yeah. as well. Um, And then I just kind of like, you know, mix it all up, mix the veggies in, let them sit for, you know, maybe a half an hour. Put them right in the basket on the grill and just kind of keep turning them. Mm -hmm. You know, peppers, onions, asparagus. I'm probably, I'm missing something. I mean, just anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds really good. I love to do a similar thing, but throw them in the oven. I don't have a grill grill basket, but now I might have to invest (laughs) in one. And my favorite is roasted cauliflower. Another one of my favorite really easy vegetable dishes and affordable is I chop up a red cabbage and some onion. Then I saute it in coconut oil, let it cook down for about 20 minutes with some salt and pepper. And then once the cabbage is cooked, I throw some walnuts on top. Yum, that yeah. sounds good. Super Delicious. easy. It makes a ton and it tastes really good. You could probably easily use that as like a breakfast in the morning too. Yeah. Throw it with some breakfast mm-hmm. sausage yes. and some of those roasted veggies. Yeah, especially yeah, if you have idea. the leftovers, like you said, it makes a lot. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, these are some really great ideas. So it's uh, time for our last break, ladies. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into infertility. But we will take our last break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I bet many of you listeners get overwhelmed when you go to the grocery store. Even I do sometimes, because there are thousands of different products, and there's always new ones that are coming on the market. So it's really hard to weed through the products on the shelves. Yeah, what's good, what's bad. Well, I have the solution for you. Join me at one of my upcoming grocery store tours There's one at the Lakeville Cub Foods at 6 p.m. on Monday, August 3rd, and on Thursday, August 6th at the Highland Park Lunds in St. Paul. I will provide you a grocery list, some other resources to utilize while grocery shopping, and then we'll take a tour around the store, teach you how to read labels, avoid trans fats, and a lot, lot more. So call the ladies at the Nutritional Weight and Wellness front desk to sign up at 651 699-3438. And if you have questions for me, Jamie, and Cara today, please call us at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We are here today talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. I'm Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist, here with Jamie Carlson and Brittany Thomas. And I often get questions from clients and individuals in my classes about eating tips for eating out. So realistically, we all probably eat out from time to time. 
But I always recommend if you can look first online at the menu, Mm -hmm. that is very helpful. So helpful. It makes it so much easier, especially if you have food sensitivities. Uh, Personally, I am gluten free. And so, you know, a lot of restaurants now have something, either a gluten-free menu or a few items on the menu that are gluten-free. And it makes it so much easier to kind of go into a restaurant with a plan. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they don't have a website, you can call ahead Mm -hmm. and ask if they have gluten-free items. That's just an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if Mm -hmm. you're dairy-free, you can ask about that. So. The second tip is don't go out to eat starving, you know. It's a great one. Don't go six hours without eating and then show up at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if dinner's at seven, <laughs> you're not you're gonna order at seven, you probably won't get dinner till seven forty five. Exactly. So it can yeah. be much longer than you anticipate. And they'll bring that bread basket out yeah. and you know, some of those things or the appetizers, the mm-hmm. fried appetizers with trans fats can seem irresistible yep. yeah. when you have low blood sugar. So or, or ordering, you know, you may order differently if you have low blood sugar. You may mm-hmm. be tempted by a big bowl of pasta. Mm-hmm. So I usually actually try to have a little snack within a couple of hours before yeah. going out to eat. Yep. My blood sugar is more stable and my brain is actually able to make a better choice yeah. on the menu. So and don't be afraid to ask for modifications. Mm-hmm. Restaurants are really accommodating. Yes, um, you know, something that I this is just kind of a standby when I go out to eat is I will almost all restaurants have hamburgers, yep. right? So I just get the the hamburger with no bun. Sometimes I'll have like get bacon on it. Yeah, it's lovely if they have like avocado, tomato, yes. and onion mm-hmm. as well. And then I always just get a green salad. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Whether it comes great. with it or not, I ask for that green salad with dressing. Yeah, yep. you can and, get that just about anywhere. Yeah, yeah. and you may yeah. pay a little extra, maybe not. But yeah, that's great. Um. So okay, I'm just gonna answer a quick off the air question yeah that sounds somebody great. had i think susan was her name she called in and um, couldn't stay in the line but she's wondering if greek yogurt would be a, considered a good breakfast and yeah certainly if someone if she doesn't have a dairy sensitivity mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit yeah. about that but a lot of people are sensitive to dairy if not yes greek yogurt would be considered a protein mm-hmm. make sure it's full fat and plain yep not flavored no vanilla no mm-hmm. strawberry and um, you still are going to want to balance that out with a carbohydrate and a fat. So, for example, put a half cup of berries and a quarter cup of nuts. Perfect. And that would be a fantastic breakfast. That sounds great. So we're going to talk about infertility now. This is so important when it comes to PCOS. PCOS is the number one cause of infertility in women. Wow. Kara, you shared a client story earlier about a woman coming in with PCOS and struggling to get pregnant. And I know that we all see a lot of clients that are struggling with infertility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I often wonder if they just have undiagnosed PCOS. So like we've said, it's hard to diagnose Mm -hmm. it. So um, the issue that many women with PCOS have is they, they actually don't ovulate. So let's do a little flashback to sex ed in grade school. And review, what is ovulation? Good idea. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people don't remember. (laughs) Ovulation is when a mature egg is released from the ovary to meet the sperm. So when you don't ovulate, you can't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So how exactly does infertility and ovulation relate to insulin resistance? Well, insulin is a master hormone, meaning it controls a lot of other hormones in the body. So when insulin increases, and right, insulin increases if we have irregular blood sugars, 
um, it's going to create an imbalance in our other sex hormones. So this cascade then affects ovulation to stop. And then also during this imbalanced state in a woman's body, many little cysts get produced on the ovaries. And that's where the name polycystic ovarian syndrome comes from. Yeah. So what you're saying is that if you're a woman with PCOS who is regularly grabbing a bagel out the door in the morning, having a sandwich for lunch and pasta for dinner, that this could actually cause your body to stop ovulating? Yeah, that's crazy. But yes, it can. Um, This is what happens in a woman whose body is really sensitive to these processed carbohydrates Mm -hmm. and sensitive to sugar. So how does a woman start ovulating again? So, well, what we say at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we always say food is first. And decreasing insulin resistance is really key for a woman with PCOS to be able to start ovulating again. Is that because then it balances out the hormones when we balance out the insulin levels? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you know, insulin's the master hormone. So all other hormones are going to be affected by it. Mm -hmm. Um, So this means decreasing those carbohydrates. This, especially the the processed and yes. this, the starchier carbohydrates, focusing more on vegetables and small amounts of fruit, maybe two servings per day, healthy fats every time you eat, and protein every time you eat. So let's recap. Eating just like Cara described will help women with PCS lose weight, decrease acne, and stimulate ovulation. That is a, it's amazing what food can do, yeah, you know, and really is. cravings, people often find that their cravings mm-hmm. decrease or go away and their energy goes up. And did you know that there's also a link between low vitamin D and infertility? Yeah, that's that's just another reason to make sure you get adequate vitamin D. Everybody in Minnesota, especially and nationwide. I know we have a lot of listeners out all around on the podcast mm-hmm. and all around the world. Um Anywhere, I think, you know, I have a lot of clients in Australia and you'd think really, really sunny, Hmm. but they have a lot of vitamin D deficiency as well. So make sure you get your levels checked. Absolutely. A study published in 2012 in the European Journal of Endocrinology reported that low vitamin D affects reproductivity in women with PCOS. Also, vitamin D supplementation may improve menstrual frequency. Yeah, there's also a link to low vitamin D levels and insulin resistance. So there was a review article that was published in the, it was the European Menopause Journal. It was in 2010, where they looked at nine different studies and found a 55% reduction in the risk of insulin resistance, also diabetes, Mm -hmm. um, with the association with with having irregular vitamin D levels. Wow, Mm -hmm. that's... That's a really big number, 55%. Vitamin D is such an important vitamin for many different areas of the body. Jamie, now that it's summer, you know, are people supposed to stop taking their vitamin D or how much should we be taking? Well, not necessarily. If you work a daytime job, um, you might still have low levels. So I would recommend, um, one, getting your levels checked, looking for those between 50 and 80. Uh, Many people think just because it's summer, you don't have to supplement. Uh, But in the reality is most people are still vitamin D deficient in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're wearing sunscreen the whole time they're outside, which blocks the ability for us to make vitamin D from the sun. Yep. Yeah, I recommend normally like 2,000 IUs of vitamin D3 in the summertime if you don't know your levels. And again, that's always the most important thing. And I'm glad you mentioned the sunscreen because if you're really pale like I am, (laughs) as many Minnesotans are, (laughs) then you're not spending much time outside without that sunscreen. So I never miss my vitamin D Mm -hmm. supplement even in the summer. 
That's why my clients in Australia said vitamin D is still high because they're so worried about sunburn that yeah. a lot of times they're lacking, they're not getting yeah. the vitamin oh, D absorption sure. from that. Yep. So we just looks like we have one or two minutes left. Um, so we'll probably won't get to everything that we wanted to talk about, but there are some other supplements that can be beneficial for PCOS. Maybe we could start yeah. talking mm-hmm. about inositol yeah. just for a minute. Yeah, inositol is a B vitamin. It's actually B8. Um, and there's a lot of research supporting the benefits of this with PCOS. So if you have PCOS out there and this is a struggle, some of these symptoms with acne and infertility and weight gain, uh, we really encourage you to come on in and make an appointment. We'll help you work yes. with changing your eating and recommend maybe some specific supplements mm-hmm. to Absolutely. help. Omega-3, it's yeah, another really definitely. big one. Five to 6,000 milligrams per day yeah. with PCOS. So we hope that everyone has learned something from today. And Brittany, thank you for sharing your story yeah. and giving all this great, me today. this great information. Um, people can always make an appointment. I think that's a great idea when dealing with PCOS. Absolutely. Because as we've talked about, it's really complex and it affects women so differently. Mm-hmm. So we will figure out what's the best individual plan for you. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.